0: No whining, puppy noop. No whining. That's the most important thing to remember round this camp. Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute, because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. What's up, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. You know what? I think I'm going to call this one, That's How You Do It. Because I just came off the road with Mr. Garrett Hall, Uh, if you're not familiar with Garrett Hall. He is a local comic here in Las Vegas. I only met him, like, when I moved here, you know, so I've known him for about, what, nine months now? Uh, Yeah, probably about nine months now, because I moved here in November. This is now... June, so, yeah. I met him when I first got here. He runs the Sunday Funday Open Mic at Noreen's, which is a fun little spot that I do sometimes. And a friend of mine, Jocelyn Sharp, that's also been on the podcast, she was on the, like, Christmas episode was telling me how professional he was and how great he was. And I already knew that he was funny because I had seen him at the Sunday Funday, which is one of those open mics that's really fun, but at the same time, it's actual work. And I know what it takes to run an open mic. And it's not as easy as people make it look all the time, or some people make it look. Some people make it look like the hardest thing in the world. But um, yeah, this episode will more than likely only be an hour exactly because. I want to go see my friend Tom Bomb uh, at the Lit Tavern here in Las Vegas, and uh, I that show starts at 10, right now it's about 9 o'clock, and he doesn't know I'm coming out, you know, but like they say, real G's move in silence, so when I pull up, he gonna know it, anyway, So, um, yeah, me and Garrett Hall, we did three spots in, like, kind of the L.A. area. Not really. More... We were staying in Temecula. We did Riverside, which is the Inland Empire. We did Carson, which is closer to, like, Long Beach area. And then we did... um the first one was in San Diego And Temecula was just a good Centrally located spot I took Snoopy Doopy with me which if you don't Know when I travel with Snoopy Doopy I make Sure to always stay in Motel 6 because Motel 6 never charges me extra money There's other places that'll charge You uh, you know like $25 A night which it's like $25 for A night for what my dog Doesn't she's not destructive at all She's fully housebroken She doesn't like she doesn't do anything Bad so I refuse to pay any extra money to have her if somebody wants a deposit just to make sure that nothing happens i'm fine with that but as far as like actually paying rent for my dog to stay that makes no sense to me i'm not doing it and i don't leave her in the car so there was this motel six that was in temecula that was a decent price and i was traveling with a lot of stuff even though technically i'm traveling lighter as far as clothing goes Um, I bought a Coolatron which I'm going to be talking about on YouTube coming up. If you're not already subscribed to my YouTube, please go subscribe to my YouTube. Watch the clips I've been doing. I'm going to really start doing my YouTube again. When I was in the relationship, it was a little bit hard to do YouTube because it started a couple arguments between me and my ex which should have been an indication for me that maybe that relationship wasn't going to work out because anybody that's around me has to be fully supportive of that kind of stuff because because it's a way for me to make money. It's not only a way for me to make money, but it's another outlet for people to see me, for you, my botherinas, to actually see my face and get to see my expression while I'm talking. I know this is good enough for some of you, but not all of you. Some of you are very needy and you need to see me. You need to see mother do her thing. Just plain. But You know, every once in a while, it's nice to actually have the visual and see my eyebrows go up and down, which is the only thing going up and down right now because I had my forehead frozen again, which I know some people will have feelings about, but I'm kind of over people and their feelings about what I personally do with myself and my face. I'm kind of over all that, you know, like for me, there's certain things that I have to do to improve the aesthetic. And if you know how I've been working out, I owed myself a little bit of Botox. Just lift that forehead right up and get it to where it needs to be and i don't regret it even a little bit as far as uh, mr garrett hall though when i was talking about him i will tell you that he made it such a breeze for me and when i say that i'm not exaggerating even a little bit even though my voice always sounds sarcastic in case you haven't noticed it's my general tone towards life because here's the deal Things are always going to happen when you're on the road. Little unexpected things. Like there was a point where my air conditioner in my car started blowing only hot air. And stuff like that can really bother you if you're not... If you're already having trouble with other things that are happening on the road. And Garrett, he drinks every once in a while, but on this entire trip he didn't drink, which wasn't a stipulation of mine. I was very clear with him, you know, as long as it's not time for you to drive or, you know, it doesn't get in the way of the show, I don't care what you do. And that's the biggest thing people don't get about me is I really don't care what my support does in their off time. As long as they're ready to go, when it's time for us to go. Because in a lot of cases, you don't get to stay in the city that you're performing in. Sometimes, you know, like the perfect example, when we were staying in Temecula, it was like a 45-minute drive from Riverside. It was, uh, um, it was closer to an hour and a half, I think, from Carson. And then it was also like an hour, hour and a half from San Diego. And then after doing... Those gigs, we had to go immediately to Prescott, Arizona, which that was like a six hour drive or maybe six and change. And Garrett drove that one. So then we do the show in Prescott, Arizona, which was a really fun time. It's this place called the Rickety Cricket that I had done before. And that brought up memories. I'm going to be honest about that. Because the last time I did that spot, I was still with my ex. We were in the actual thick of our relationship. And it was going well at that time. And I just, you know, it just, it brought back memories. That's the long and the short of it. And I know sometimes people would say, that, you know, I should be over that by now. But I don't really know when you spend a year and two months with somebody and have full intentions of making that person your partner for life. You buy them a ring. You do all of this stuff. And there were a lot of things that I did to make that relationship work, even though I'm just not good at relationships. And I accept that about myself now. I've, I'm not going to fight it on any level anymore. I've spent most of my life trying to fight that. And yeah, there was that five-year break where I was single, but... I I really, you know, I meet someone and then we hit it off and we're great and then I want to be the relationship guy. But I realize that I want to be that for the other person. I don't really want to be that for me. For me, I really enjoy my alone time. I really enjoy getting to go to the gym, which that's another thing people have, you know, pointed out. And with good reason because I'm showing people online. You know, I posted pictures of me topless shall we say a couple of times just to show progress but it's because that's one of my favorite things like working out and actually sculpting my body is something I enjoy doing and I do think that it's inspirational to a lot of people that even with my schedule and all the stuff I'm doing because while we were on the road that was the other thing that was good about hanging out with Garrett he likes to go to the gym too So, we were going to the gym. We were eating the way that we were supposed to. Like, uh, Garrett is not as strict in his diet as I am, but that's because he has a different goal. And that's one thing that I really want to let everybody know when it comes to diet and exercise, if you're going to start changing the way you eat, change the way you eat for the body that you actually want. Don't try to model yourself after me or anybody else in the way that, like, you know, oh, that's what I want. No, maybe you don't actually want this. Maybe you're thinking that you want something a little more bulky, you know, cause I go for lean and defined more than anything else, where Garrett's very honest about the fact that he likes being strong. He likes being bigger you know and it's great you know that's that's great too whatever your ideal is or your definition of healthy is go for that you know make yourself happy when it comes to that because you can't do this for anybody else because it's too hard when you try to do it based on some standard that either a magazine has set for you or the gay community has set for you or just do it for yourself with me I grew up watching WWF Uh, now WWE and I remember I really liked Rick Rude's body and if you remember he was definition to the extreme. Paul Orndorff I liked his body but he was probably bigger than I'm going to get naturally and I don't plan to go to go the steroid route mainly because I don't have the disposition for it. You know people talk about roid rage all the time and really that's amping up whatever it is you are inside. There's a lot of really mellow people that do steroids and have no problems with roid rage at all. I know a couple of people that are the nicest people in the world. They happen to do steroids. And for me, I don't judge that at all. Again, you're going for the body you want. There's also the fact that I don't really know that I want to pack a bunch of extra muscle on my already small frame. I I think I'm better off staying natural as well. You know, let's not pretend like I'm natural. Uh, as natural as I'm going to get. <laughs> let's let's put it that way. You know, I stay as natural as I'm going to be as I talk about Botox. But whatever, whatever, whatever. I don't have time to argue with you guys, all right? You guys want to be sticklers for the rules of the game? Technically, you're not natural at all. You stopped being natural in 1998. Yeah, well, shove it up your... <sighs> Let me breathe in a little bit of Jesus. Because y'all starting to make me mad with your judgment over there. You think I don't know what you think in Botherinas? You think I don't know you? I know you. After all this time, I know you. We a couple years in on this podcast. We a couple years in. But, um, yeah, I think it's better for me to keep a more natural physique. Let's put it that way. There is being more specific. And... Um, But yeah, so people have asked me about diet and exercise and they've mentioned, you know, the way that my body looks and stuff like that. And I think it is inspirational for people to know that even with my schedule and all the travel and stuff like that, I still am able to fit in the gym. I'm still able to fit in uh, eating right. I had one cheat- one, well, a 24-hour period or maybe 18 hours where... You know, I wanted to be stronger, but when it came to, we were in New Mexico, and I've said it before, Taco Cabana is my weakness. I don't know why I love Taco Cabana so much. It's the closest thing to real Mexican food you're going to get at a fast food chain. Well, there's Philberto's and Alberto's that is pretty, you know, it's pretty beaner. But, But yeah, something about, Taco Cabana is really good to me. And that's only in Texas and New Mexico as far as I go. There might be another state that has them that I just am not aware of. But yeah, so I had to have some Taco Cabana. And then that night, oh, I was still telling you guys what the travel schedule was. Okay, so we did the spots in uh, California. We had to drive from Temecula to Prescott. We did the show in Prescott, you know, just got out of the car. Garrett had driven the whole way from Temecula to Prescott. And then I said, okay, well, you know, so we don't have to actually get a hotel in Prescott and unload the car and deal with all that stuff. We had a place to stay in Albuquerque with Mr. Troy Wilson, who's an Albuquerque comic, really great guy, has a house there. And he's let me know that whenever I'm around, I have a place to stay and he's fine with Bijou. And uh, his his dog and Bijou aren't necessarily B.O.F.'s. BFFs, sorry. What's BOF? Anyway, uh, they're not necessarily BFFs, but my thing was like, let's get to Troy's house, then we can just relax there. We'll already be there. So um, that meant me driving, because Garrett had driven through the day six hours, and then it was like seven hours for us to get to... Uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico from Prescott, Arizona, and I was like, yeah, let's just go. Let's not bother getting a room here or anything like that. I'll do all the driving. So I drove us to Albuquerque, and that was the only time where there was any grouchiness, and I admit it, it was 100% me. I just was more tired than I should have been, and I, you know, had driven seven hours, and I wasn't bitchy or rude, but I just wasn't in the mood to really socialize when, you know, he had been asleep for several hours, and then I'm driving through the night, and then he wakes up kind of peppy, and I was like, mm, "Not right now, no girl, no, no disrespect. I always call straight men girl. Well, I always call everybody girl and bitch and miss thing, and you because know, 'cause I'm gay like that, and." I don't think a lot of people understand the level of my gayness in all in all situations, but I feel like you bothering us really do get me at this point because I've talked into this microphone. Alone on a couch like it's therapy Or in a bed like it's therapy Or wherever I find myself I did that one episode where I was driving Uh, But anyway so I feel like You guys get me and you know My silly gay slangs and terms And terms of endearment And stuff like that and no disrespect To Garrett Hall in any way When I say no girl no girl It's just me being silly Um, Because really it was just such a good trip You know it was such a breath of fresh air With some of the trips that I've had when it comes to being on the road with people. So... We stayed in, well, we went to Albuquerque, then I slept through the day. We went to the gym, then uh, my car, that's when it really just started blowing the hot air because before that it was a little more intermittent, you know, it happened like twice. And so then we ended up, I looked on YouTube, that's what happened. I decided I'm going to see if there's a quick way we can fix this without having to go an actual mechanic. And then on YouTube it was saying that a lot of times that's the uh, relay And so we went to Pet Boys, and Garrett is actually a helicopter mechanic, active duty for the Air Force. And so, you know, we changed out that relay. Uh, It was an $8 part. My air conditioning is blowing better than ever now, and... It was it was no problem at all. So then we did the show in Albuquerque, and neither of us could sleep because I had slept too late in the day, and Garrett had also went back to sleep once we got there, so he had slept too much, and so we tried to sleep. You know, Troy has a, a nice house. You know, or a, plenty of room, nice house, and so um, the, he has two separate bedrooms and so garrett was trying to sleep in his room i'm trying to sleep in my room and then finally like i get up to have a cigarette and then which yeah i smoke cigarettes again and i'm very happy about it so um don't want to hear shit about that either you need to man for your health and you could get cancer i could get hit by a car right now i could a fucking falling star could fall through my roof right now and just fucking end me that that's we take chances in life and I don't know if you notice, but I'm a bit of a chance taker. So, anyway, um, I went outside to smoke a cigarette, and then Garrett... Uh, came outside to smoke a cigarette, which if you want to send Garrett Holland a message on Facebook and tell him to stop smoking cigarettes, that's a good place to really place it because he's young. He's going to ruin his life. Me, I'm a little bit older, a little bit tougher of a bird. Uh, so if I happen to have something happen and I'm gone, it's like, come on. I've kind of lived a full life. I'm not like 80, but I, I got my years in trust. So... Um, yeah. So the the thing was, um, I hit him, well, he saw me outside smoking a cigarette and we talked for just a second. And then it was like, um, do you, I, I sent him a message. We were waiting for some clothes to dry. And then I sent him a text message. Cause I was like, you know, I can't sleep. And then he was like, me neither. And I was like, well, do you just want to start the drive to Colorado? Because our next gig was uh, right outside of Denver. Louisville is the name of the city. And so I sent him a message like, do you just want to drive to Colorado? And that one was like a seven-hour drive. And he was like, yeah, sure. So I was like, all right, well, let's just wait for our clothes to dry. We'll go ahead and pack back up and we'll take off. So we ended up leaving around 3 in the morning, I think it was. And, uh, you know, we loaded up the car, got all our stuff together, drove to Louisville and spent, uh, you know, it was like from 3 or 4 to 10 in the morning or 11 in the morning. And Garrett had said that, uh, you know, he was good to drive. And that's the night, you know, because we had gone to Taco Cabana earlier that night, which I thought that was going to help me sleep, you know, having all the carbs in my system and stuff like that. But it didn't end up helping me sleep. uh, So we left. And, uh, when we got to the, uh, what's it called? They let us know that our room wouldn't be ready until at least 1230. And we got there around 10 or 11. And so I was like, all right, well then let's go to the gym. And so I went to the gym, Garrett took a nap in the car. Um, I went to the gym and worked out. Him and Bijou were kicking in the car together, air conditioned, loving life And I had a good workout. It wasn't the best workout because I was a little bit tired because I had stayed up the whole night like talking to him while we were on the road. And uh, before like when we were on the road, I also will admit that's where I had the second part of my cheat, you know, when we were making that drive. So it's still part of the same 12 to 18 hours, 15 hours, whatever it was that uh, after Taco Cabana and so I didn't have a full cheat day but I had a half cheat day and there was a point where I had two Twinkies and three different kinds of candy and I go hog wild when I'm having my cheat period because I'm just like I am so good all the rest of the time and I don't know why it is but when you really work out and you really watch the way you eat On your cheat day or after you have your cheat meals, and this, when I didn't have a cheat day, this time it was like a week and a half since my last cheat day. If not closer to two weeks since my last cheat day. So it's not even like I had had one, but uh or I wasn't owed one. But when you do that kind of thing, you'll notice that all your muscles fill in in a different way. Even your abs come in, in a different way after that, which it's something that bodybuilders do. So I don't know what the science is on it, but a lot of times bodybuilders right before they do their posing, you know, their actual competition, I think it's 45 minutes to an hour and a half that they do it. They'll have a bunch of candy, you know, and, and sugar and stuff like that. And I guess that pumps your muscles up in some way or makes them stand out more or whatever it does. And so, um, you know, so I had a bunch of candy and drank a Pepsi and we were had a good chat on our way over there. And Garrett probably knows more about my life and my relationships than Anybody in the world, (laughs) because I really did talk to him a lot. And that was the other thing. He was just good to talk to. And we were having an exchange. I talked more because he's a straight man. And you know straight men and their feelings. They kind of are a little more guarded, not as open as a person like me. And uh, But we, we talked a lot. And it was like, I really consider him a good friend after that trip. I mean, I considered him a friend before the trip. But I consider him a good friend now because... It really goes a long way with me when you make my life easy on the road. And it doesn't take a lot. Like, I'm not going to ask you to carry my bags for me. I'm not going to ask you to do a bunch of grunt work. There's the setting up that we have to do for the shows. There's a the breaking down that we have to do for the shows. I help with that. Garrett was carrying the speaker, which is, you know appropriate. He's younger. He's got a stronger back. You know how it go. You know how it go, boo-boo. I'm an older woman. I can't be doing that mess. Uh, I mean, I can if I have to, but I don't want to. Uh <laughs> But yeah, so he he took the speaker, but then I'd bring in the stands and the cords and make sure that, you know, I, did, I was doing my part. We both were pulling our weight. And that's exactly what you need on the road is you need, because it is a partnership. And even though, in a sense i would be like the boss in the situation if you're good at what you're doing if you're uh, you know okay with being in a leadership position you know that you're not really in charge you're just maybe the person that it lands on when it's time to make the decisions in certain cases but you both work together. Like there's times when like, especially a person like Garrett, that's very level headed and smart and thinks in a different way than I do, where I'll defer to him and be like, well, what do you think we should do in this situation? Or how would you handle this particular situation that's happening right here? And then we figured out between the two of us. And when somebody really works with you like that, then you just naturally want to be more like, kind of i guess just more relaxed in the situation and you just feel like okay between the two of us we've got this figured out it's not going to be a big deal Whatever's going on whatever the road throws at us no big deal i will tell you one thing that's kind of weird and i'll probably end up doing a youtube clip about it um but when we were talking on the road, there was a point where I brought up my ex, Michael. Which my ex, Michael, because you know I ran through relationships. I I ran the gamut. I I gave uh, relationship details, growing up details, former career details, uh, doing stand up details. I was I was just I opened up to him like he was Barbara Walters. That's uh, Samson from. Half baked, but anyway, that was my sister's favorite movie, which we talked about. My sister too, uh, Aleki. We talked about her, and um, yeah, we like when. Okay, so we're between Colorado and New Mexico. You know, somewhere in between those two, Louisville and Albuquerque, and I just started talking to him about. Um, my ex, Michael, which my ex, Michael, was really beautiful and mm, not for nothing, but really big weenie, which was nice. You know, I, uh, I'm i going to talk about that real quick. My ex called me a slut because I had uh, magnums in my bag from which I'm not a magnum wearer, but I had magnums in my bag. Uh, when we first got together because I never got rid of them and they were expensive, you know, but it was because my ex, uh, this one guy I was with was, you know, had magnums and I just never, you know, bothered throwing them. They just stayed in this particular compartment in a bag. And so, um, and he knew that that was from before I even met him. So it wasn't like there was a situation where after we got together, he noticed, and then he was like, you know, what's this about? But he called me a slut. Because I had dated a dude that wore magnums, and I hate to break it to him, but kinda everybody I dated wore magnums except him, and he wasn't particularly small, but he just you know i mean like I've had good luck with that, I guess you could say I don't know if it's good luck though, because some of these people uh never mind, let's not get too far into it but the point is uh he was trying to shame me about that, and uh it's ridiculous to me that anybody would think you're a slut because you've dated people that wear magnums. I'm a slut because I fucked a lot of people that's why I'm a slut. The magnums have nothing to do with it. sizes are neither here nor there, but anyway, let's get back to talking about Michael so Michael is this beautiful he was uh half black half Mexican he worked at Roscoe's Chicken Waffles in long beach uh. They, like, it was, we had a messy situation and a messy breakup. But I think when we were together, he was 25 and I was, like, 29 or something like that. So that was the end of my uh, really dramatic, that's a lie. It, I I was dramatic until I, never mind. I, uh, <sighs> You know what, you guys are pressing me again I'm not going to do this with you You guys are pressing me I'm telling you what I'm comfortable telling And you're still pressing So if you guys want to go that route I think you need to find another podcast to listen to Because right now I'm feeling a lot of pressure off you guys To expose more than I want to expose But what I will tell you is I am no longer dramatic like that When it comes to relationships I'm a little bit too chill for that Do I get annoyed with certain things? Yes Am I a demanding person? I'm demanding with myself so, of course, I'm going to be demanding of my partner. You got to have your shit together. And if not, you got to be on your way to getting your shit together. And that's just the way it fucking works around this camp. You don't like that? You get fucking, never mind, get your ass to Salt Lake like the last motherfucker. Go, go live with the Mormons and see how that suits you. But, um, yeah, you can find your way out of here if you don't want to put pressure on yourself and make life better. Because some people will have this idea of life being good in pictures and good on Facebook and good on social media. I don't want that life. I want a life that actually feels good when I'm living it. That's what I want. I want to feel relaxed when it comes to rent is paid, uh, groceries are in the refrigerator, which I don't, have a lot of groceries but that's just because I'm on a very strict diet so I have the groceries I need and that's all I have but believe me anything that I need is in that refrigerator so there's no starvation going on over here and there's several different kinds of protein and supplements and all the stuff that I need is here and um But, you know, some people don't get that. Some people want more of a for show life, you know, like, okay, so my friends think it's impressive that we live like this. And I don't give a fuck about your friends. I don't give a fuck about your family. I care about what's happening in our actual house. Like, the way we're living is what I want to concentrate on, not what anybody else thinks of the way we're living. And that's why if you pay attention to my social media, like Instagram, at Official Ty Rivera on Instagram, if you want, follow me there not if you want. If you're really a botherina, you're gonna follow me there. So, uh th- but you know, you it's, it's, so anyway. So, I'm more about like if you pay attention to my social media, you'll notice I don't always make sure my hair is done. I don't always make sure that I look perfect for a shot or whatever it is we're doing. For me, life is life. I am who I am. I I'm not a perfect person, I'm not trying to put off like I'm a perfect person, I'm flawed, not only physically, but also mentally, psychologically, I'm not a perfect person on any level, I work every day to become a better person, and I'm trying my best to, and I gotta tell you, I'm proud of the person I am, so... I'm happy, like am I going to continue to grow? am I going to continue to make improvements? most definitely, that's really on the list. It's not something that i'm you know I actively work every day to be a better person, but I can honestly say i'm the pro- I'm proud of the person that I am at this moment, and so uh what was going on at the time when I met Michael, Chris Doran is one of the only people well, no. Eric Griffin knew Michael. Uh, There's actually quite a few comics that knew Michael. Michael was one of the first people to really make me feel like a woman. Just plain. Uh, Gay, gay. Like, when it came to, like, sometimes he would even out-gay me. You know what I mean? Because I've always been pretty out and pretty gay. But one time he came to the comedy store and he brought me roses at the comedy store. Felt like fish, bitch. I was a real woman that day. I got the vapors. I was like, I can't believe. And then at the same time, I felt like you are bringing me roses in front of all the comedians. And that's when comedy world was a little bit more homophobic. And this is no slam on the comedy world. It was just where we were as a society at that time, you know. People weren't as comfortable. And so it was kind of a little bit embarrassing, you know, just because I was like, you Brought me roses in front of everybody, but it, it was very sweet. And uh, that's one motherfucker. He was a server at Roscoe's, like I said. And um, I got fat during that relationship. But it wasn't because I was unhappy. It was just because he was bringing Roscoe's home every single night. Apparently, at Roscoe's, they would let um, them, or at that location, they would let them bring home whatever was left over at the end of the night and even make a couple of things if they just wanted a quick something. Uh, The owner of Roscoe's, Mr. Hudson, was his name. I don't know why he treated that Roscoe's like family. You know, I don't know if all of them were like that, but that one he treated like family. So... um, Michael uh, would bring chicken every night. And uh, it led to me calling Roscoe's chicken and waffles Roscoe's dick and waffles. But that's neither here nor there. It's just something I used to say, all right? Uh, There, I said it. I used to say that, okay? I'm cheesy. I'm uh, Dad joke city over here. And I wasn't even old enough to be a dad yet then. Well, was I old enough to be a dad? I guess maybe if I had a kid when I was like 14. But anyway whatever um you know so tired of you guys but um yeah so uh, he would bring chicken every night and we would eat and uh, anyway he was dramatic and it wasn't even I don't even know that it was about it was about drama at a certain point you know what happened was if I'm just gonna tell the story real quick There was a point where I wanted to stop using condoms with Michael because we were, like, four months into the relationship, which may seem soon to some people. But there's a four-month window, four-to-six-month window where you know what your status is, okay? Like, after if it's only been you and the other person, which I felt very confident that it was just me and him. Like, that was one of those situations, too. Like I told you guys on the episode about love, you know, when I'm with somebody and I decide to be with somebody, then I'm just with them. And so... We were together, and I. We were together, and it was. Uh, he was always staying at my place, and I had roommates and stuff like that. I had a really good deal out in Van Nuys, living in this really nice house. That uh, because of the amount of people living there, and it was like family atmosphere, so it wasn't like a chaotic people living there. Um, but because of the number of people living there. I only had to pay, like, $300 a month in rent. I had some really good deals. Like, people always wonder how I lived in L.A. and, you know, like, was able to do comedy and stuff like that. Well, I had, like, at that time, I had two jobs. And, you know, then... um I was paying $300 a month in rent. One of the jobs, telecommute. The other job was uh, actually having to be there at a scent- scented oils and perfuming company. And so, um, you know, w- we were, uh, you know, I, w- I was living in this house, and so he would come and stay with me all the time, and they didn't mind him being there. And then he was working as a server, like I said, and he was doing really well, those servers made a lot of money, or at least he did, you know, and he was always willing to pull his weight, or to, you know, pay for stuff, I mean, like, we, for us to go to movies, that kind of stuff, we really had, like, a good situation going, and so we were together for four months, and I was, like, basically, like, you're my man, I'm yours, let's do this, let's stop using condoms, and just do like we do. And, But I wanted us to get tested first, you know, just to make sure that we're both, you know, doing all right, that neither of us uh, has anything. And so we went down to Out of the Closet, together, which if you're not familiar, that's uh, it's a thrift store in L.A. It's a chain of thrift stores, and they also do testing there. And now they do rapid testing. If you're in the L.A. area and you want to get a HIV test, they don't do full-on STD, STI um, tests. You have to go to the Men's Health Center. Or, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but you can look it up. It's a, it's a very convenient and necessary resource and you don't necessarily have to be a man or a gay man to use it but when it comes to out of the closet specifically what they do there is hiv like you know um prevention and uh excuse me i hiccuped it's hiv prevention and testing And now, like I said, they have rapid testing where you can get your test in under a minute. Last time they did it for me, they just pricked my finger real quick. Uh, That made a drop of blood come out. The drop of blood goes into this little thing that looks like what you hold your contacts in if you've ever worn contacts. So it looks like that. And then they put, I think they put a tablet inside of it. And then in 60 seconds, the tablet either turns a color or stays clear. And then you know whether you win the clear or not. But, uh, but that's the way it works. So what happened was, at that time, it was like seven days that you had to wait for your test to come back. Technology has advanced leaps and bounds. But... Um, So, or would that be science? Maybe that's science. Maybe it's science and technology. Maybe it's science, technology, and biology. What do I know? I'm not a scientist, nor am I a physician, but what I do know is that we went to go get tested together. And he seemed a little apprehensive about it, which I didn't really get, because he was another virgin. Which, if you haven't noticed, I had this habit of hooking up with guys that for some reason want to seem virginal, and I don't know why. I don't know because if it's because I'm so honest about my past and how promiscuous I have been at some points that they want to feel like they're better than me or above me in some way but for some reason guys I date always lie about their sexual history and I don't get it because it's so unnecessary I'm not looking for a virgin I'm not looking for anything close to a virgin actually I prefer you be a nasty bitch and then we be nasty together that's what I would like, that's what I need in my life, if I ever go another route again with somebody it'll definitely be somebody that's very comfortable with their sexuality all the way around Like the, like. if you a slut You a slut If you've been good You've been good But whether or not you, you know It's a real That's what your mouth say Sometimes with some of these people Because you're like Look I fucked people That had very little experience before I know the difference Between virgin booty And something that's been Gently used And sometimes not so gently used I know the difference you know, and if you a virgin, you got a wide-set vagina, bitch. Bijou, what are you doing? I can tell you're trying to start with me. Um Oh, she stepped on my mic, my mic cord. Anyway, so uh break my chain of thought, Bijou. Where you fuck up is where you get fucked up, just playing. Uh, but anyway, So, uh, yeah, so, and I knew that Michael was not being completely, uh, forthcoming with certain things. I knew that. And I, but I still wasn't really tripping because it's like, what does it matter? It's in the past anyway. It's not like that affects me. Uh, but you know, we obviously had to get tested. So he seemed a bit apprehensive about the testing and we went to go get tested and when it was the day for us to get our results one week later, it was like, okay, he had taken my car, and it, we were, because, you know, he dropped me off at work. That's, I was at the Scented Oils and Perfuming Company. And I personally was excited, because it was right before my birthday of that year, you know? So I was like, well, I know I'm getting bareback sex for my birthday. We're about to go get this test, go get these results. Once we get that... I was married now, but what ended up happening was he he was really late to pick me up, late to the point where he thought we weren't going to make it there. Little did he know my driving skills and the way I knew that back way to get to Hollywood from Glendale, which is where Atwater Village, technically, if you're really familiar with L.A., uh, I was working in Atwater, and it was right there near that little bridge um, that's right near the 210 that'll take you to St. George, like that area, if you're familiar. And no, it's not the 210. I think it's the 5. Yeah, it's the 5. And so um, I was right there. And I was like, I know the back way. So uh, we hit it to the out of the closet. And they called me in the room. And I went in the room and the guy was like, you know, ask me a few questions about maybe sexual history or I don't remember exactly what he asked. At first I wanted, uh, you know, Michael to go in with me uh, for both parts, but they wouldn't let us go in with the other for either part because at the same time that they're doing the testing and the, you know, the talk about preventing HIV or, you know, avoiding HIV or however you would w- want to word that. Um, they also are gathering information from you as far as your sexual history, and they know that if you're in front in front of another person, you may not be as honest as you would be if you're just talking to the counselor. And so um, I remember I went in, and it seemed pretty quick, and then the guy was like, okay, you're HIV negative, Your came, your test came back non-reactive. That's the terminology that they use. And so... Um, so then Michael goes in, you know, they call him in next and I'm out looking at blouses, trying to figure out if I'm going to buy something from out of the closet. I felt like they, I owed them something for giving me that good news and they don't charge anything for the test. I always donated. So, you know, it, cause you can donate if you want. And I would always donate, um, you know, a couple dollars. And so, uh, So I, you know, and this time I was like, you know, I might feel like buying me something. So I'm looking at stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm like, it feels like this is taking a minute. And then I was also like, maybe I took a minute and I just didn't notice I took a minute because I was me and I was inside the room. And so to me, it didn't feel like any time at all. But maybe as far as he went, it felt like, you know, I had been gone for a while. So... Um, I, I kind of paid it mind, but I didn't. So then, a few minutes later, the guy, like, waves me into the room. He, like, you know, he has the folder in his hand, uh, or a folder in his hand, and he, I, I'll never forget the way he did it. Like, he had the folder, and he just, like, kind of waved, like, come on back. <sighs> And remember Sex and the City when Samantha fell out? I don't know if you guys watched Sex and the City back in the day, but when they gave her the test and she was walking back there and she fell out and it turned out that she was fine, but, you know, she just she couldn't take the idea that possibly... I felt a similar way while I was walking out there. I felt like, oh, my knees feel a little bit weak. Like, I don't think this is going to be good news. And uh, sure enough, we get back to the back. And I'll never forget this, like, you know, light brown wood table. And uh, there's my ex sitting across from it. And he's crying, crying. And he was such a cute boy. And it was... I don't have a lot of soft feelings in me always. And I know that some people see that as some sort of defect but it's it it is what it is, you know, I'm not always the most uh whatever I'm just not, and I don't wish I was to tell you the truth. I kind of like things the way they are, but <sighs> it was that one was really heartbreaking, you know, just seeing him crying like that, and he had these big eyes and they were sexy, they were big eyes and long lashes, and just. These huge tears falling from his, falling from his eyes, and uh, I, I, I the test had the same stamp as mine, except for instead of saying um, non-reactive, it said reactive, and I knew that that meant that he had tested positive for HIV, and uh, he was like. I've got HIV and he was crying. And then I was like, because I was really into him, you know, and I wasn't, I wasn't, like at that point, I wasn't thinking anything close to like, we're gonna break up or what are we gonna do or anything. Like in my head, I was so matter of fact in it that I was just like, yeah, well then we'll just continue using condoms. Like I didn't say that out loud, but in my head, that's what I said. And so I looked at him and I was like I was like yeah you're going to be fine and I'm not going anywhere so you know like we have to make sure that we take care of you but it's it's not a, it's not a big deal you know, and I didn't mean that in an insensitive way, but I meant that in a reassuring way. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, you know, HIV isn't the death sentence because by this time, HIV was very manageable. You know, now it's even more manageable. But even then it was it was super manageable. And so um, I knew that he would be all right. I had other friends that were HIV positive and uh, I th- he was maybe the first person. Yeah. No, I had dated one other person a long time before that was HIV positive, and he had really walked me through everything. And that guy, <clears throat> I don't even remember his name because we just dated for a short while. We weren't boyfriends, you know. Um, he was really cute too. Uh, he was. It was here in Las Vegas, and he was so good about um, like educating me. Like he because he was like, hey, before we do anything, because we were hooking up, you know, and we were just about to like actually get busy. And he was like, before we do anything, you have to know I'm HIV positive. And he was like, I understand if that makes it so you don't want to do anything, but I have to tell you. And I appreciated him so much just for telling me that, just for having that level of honesty When to look at him, you would have had no idea. So it really was, you know, like to me, it meant a lot that he was that honest about it. And so since he was willing to be so honest about it, it made me comfortable being like, okay, so how does that change things? And then he was like, basically we're safe we just have to use condoms and he let me know what things were safe and what things were not safe and he was you know he was really protective of me as a partner in that way so I never had that terrible like you know growing up I saw like the AIDS stuff that we all saw when we were you know if you grew up in that particular time and you know devastated by the Magic Johnson situation and all of that stuff so you know there was that little bit of phobia um, before he educated me, but I felt like he was being really straight up with me, and everything he was saying to me sounded honest, and, you know, afterwards in doing my own research, I ended up finding out, you know, which was during that time, I ended up finding out that he was not lying to me. He was giving me all of the straight facts and exactly everything I needed to know to keep myself safe. And so um, by the time this happened, not only was I already, um, you know, had friends, and then since then it had been just friends, not only was I I had a level of comfort. And so I didn't feel like this was, you know, a death sentence or anything for him to really – um you know feel like life was over about and i tried to convey that to him but he was just inconsolable and he ended up calling his mom and his his mom basically called a priest and had him come over. And I don't know if he read Last Rites or what happened, but there was that whole situation, which I wasn't a part of because his family shut me out, which I don't blame them for shutting me out. I I had only been with him for four months and we had only met briefly or casually, like part of the family. Some of his family I had had met, met, you know, but um, like his mom and stuff like that. But what did bother me a little bit Was it His mom was talking to me like she was blaming me when we were on the phone. And I was just like, you know, because she asked to speak with me because he, you know, was able to get it out. But then he dropped the phone and he was like really, really bad. And so I grabbed the phone and was like, you know, don't worry. I'm taking care of him. He's going to be all right. You know, we're going to go back to the house now uh, over here where we're staying. And so his mom was like, you know, what's going on with my son? And, you know, what did you do to my son? And I was just like, you know, I didn't do anything to your son. I We got tested together. I tested negative. He, I'm not where he got it. It's not, you know, nothing against. But at the same time, this isn't something that can be laid on me in that way. Like, I'm, I'm cool to answer any questions she has or whatever like that. I understand a mother would be protective of her son. But at the same time... Don't come at me crazy, bitch, because I didn't give it to him. And technically, as far as I'm concerned, this is like a AIDS version of the Immaculate Conception because he made it seem like he was damn near a virgin. So I don't know how this happened. But then I ended up realizing later that there might have been a little intravenous drug use at one point, like he was slamming speed before I met him and then had cleaned up off of that. I ended up putting that together through certain context clues. And, you know, as the relationship progressed, because we ended up staying together for a while longer, but... It really did mess with him. Like the HIV um, positive diagnosis really did change our entire relationship to the point where there were times when I wished that I hadn't done that. I wished I hadn't insisted that we go get uh, tested because if we hadn't got tested, we would have continued to use condoms. And But then who knows? Maybe we would have just decided at a point to stop using the condoms and then I would not have known and I would have unknowingly got infected. I don't, I don't know, you know, I, you can't say what would happen, you can only say what did happen, and the fact of the matter was, we did get tested together, and he tested positive, positive. and it was just, it was too much for him to really be able to handle or work through, which, uh, really, you know, it, it, it took a toll on our relationship, like, he started being, um, abusive to a certain degree, not physically abusive, but just, uh really erratic and where it was a mentally abusive relationship after a while you know there was a time where he got mad at me and he threw my keys in the ocean and i had to have my car um the ignition like re-keyed and oh it was horrible it was really that night was such a nightmare because like he threw all of my keys into the ocean all of them we were on the pch I don't remember what he was tripping about. We had both been drinking, and he just grabbed my keys out of the in- ignition and threw them in the fucking ocean. And you know, once something goes into the ocean, you're never finding it. It's not like, oh, I'm going to swim in this area. And it's the middle of the night, so it's not even like there's any visibility. And uh, I I will be honest when I say, because you know, you're standing right there on the PCH, and there's all the rocks, and there was a part of me that for a split second just thought, I should just push him over this fucking cliff for throwing my keys in the fucking ocean. I was so mad. And then, um, yeah, he ended up taking off. And I don't know where he went or how that went down. I just remember him being gone. And then, uh, yeah, I had to have my car. And we ended up lasting after that. But it was a mess the whole time. It was a mess. And he was erratic. And it was... There was nothing pleasurable about that relationship uh, at the end. At the beginning, it was great. But at the end, it was horrible. And so, um, anyway, long story short. (laughs) (coughs) Like how I give you the whole story and then I'm like, long story short. Um, There's a lot that happened. I could tell you guys more. But let's just cut to it. Uh, So... I was telling Garrett about him, and then I was like, I wonder whatever happened to him. Because this has been years, you know, it's been years since I've talked to him, seen him, anything. And I never looked up to see, you know, like his Facebook or anything like that. And so I went ahead and went to what I thought would be his Facebook. You know, I searched his name on Facebook, not I went to what I thought would be his Facebook. I searched his name on Facebook, and nothing came up. But I was like, you know, he's not, he wasn't back then a computer guy at all. So it makes sense, you know. He wasn't like a MySpace or whatever. And so it made sense that he wasn't uh, on Facebook. And I was fine with that, you know. But at the same time, I was like, I wonder what happened with him. You know, something had to have happened. Uh, You know, I wonder how his life is. And because I was talking to Garrett, you know, about this relationship. So then I decided to do just a general Google search. And I ended up seeing that his older brother had put up a GoFundMe saying that Michael had died. And it was, I think, the beginning of 2018 was what I saw. It was like right around my birthday, 2018, if I remember correctly. I just looked at it real quick and then... I tried to do a little research, but there wasn't much else I could find out as far as cause of death or anything like that. And that was a little bit of a weird situation, you know, because I remember him like, you know, how like even though he was an asshole at the end, he was very much alive. You know, he was very much uh, like and I know that sounds silly to say about somebody that's literally alive, but you I think you guys get me like he was just like a real presence, you know. And so I don't know how he ended up dying, but uh it, I I didn't know how to feel about it, you know, I just was like uh kind of, like it's a weird feeling because there's a part of you that remembers how into that person you were and how into that relationship you were and how strong the feelings were. And then there's another part of you that knows presently that you have no connection with that person and you haven't had a connection with them for a very long time. So it's kind of like a connect and a disconnect at the same time, feeling it and not feeling it at the same time, just being like, yeah, I guess that's just something that happens. So, um, you know, I still I guess I'm still kind of processing the whole idea cuz I I haven't come to a conclusion on how I feel about it or if I really feel anything about it or if I just think I should feel something about it because society says that we're supposed to feel a particular way. And I try to examine the most authentic part of myself on that because I don't want to be that person that's fake. Like, what am I going to do, be in mourning uh, over somebody that I haven't seen in years? And at the same time, it's not like I completely feel nothing about it because i remember that the people from his family that i knew which you know like i said not all of them by any stretch but i did know like his sister like we were really cool and then his best friend that's where i got the shalanda joke from you know one of his best friends was shalanda and she was like you know shalanda and she was so great but so like stereotypically uh <laughs> shalanda and uh yeah So I I just, I remember, uh, I I still am trying to fully process that and see how that actually plays on my psyche or works in my life. Or it doesn't have to work in my life. You know, it's a fact. It is what it is. But, you know, uh, I feel like I've given you guys as much of me as I'm going to give on this episode. And we happen to be... Right close to the hour mark. So, uh, Unbothered by Ty Rivera, as always, is sponsored by Whimsies. That is Whimsies Alligators. Uh, That is where you can. Find our sponsor. If you ever have anything you want to say about what it is I'm doing and you decide you're going to protest, you're going to cancel me, you let Whimsies know and make sure Bijou, Bijou never eats another fucking alligator in her life. That's what makes you happy. Go ahead. Take it out on a little puppy. What the fuck do I care? I, you guys have really been arguing with me on this episode, and I'm going to tell you I don't really appreciate that part of it, and I hope that next week when I do this, and yes, I'm going to be on time next week, all right? I mean, tomorrow. This is gonna come out tomorrow, which is Thursday. So it's gonna be a day late. Get off my back, please. I said I got. I went on the road for seven days. Yeah, it was good, but it's still being on the road. It's still working. So I wish you guys would kind of lay off on the pressure right now. I hope next week you guys have your shit together. That's what I really hope for. Uh, You can find me at AmericasFavoriteFag.com, and you also should subscribe to my YouTube. Like, comment, and subscribe on my YouTube. That is youtube.com slash Ty Rivera. And just so you guys know, I joke, I kid, but I appreciate you guys listening. And I love all of you. And whatever you do, please stay unbothered.